Hey folks, we're back. Joined here by Representative Dan Ortiz from Ketchikan. How you doing? Doing very well. Glad to be here. Finance uh, floor, fifth floor. You bet. Yeah, we've been busy as of late. Uh, lots of sessions, both morning and the afternoon, and uh, getting after some things. Some related to the budget, of course, and others related to uh, crime and punishment and reform yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Got to yeah. say real quick, I love this couch. I don't know if you ever take a nap in here. Well, but you this know, is I'm a- lucky to have it. It's, uh, it's it is a comfortable couch, and it's not. Uh, I can admit that occasionally I slip away from a committee here, a committee there, just to take a quick uh, five minute uh, refresher, and it's if, nice to have that couch to do that. If this was my couch, I would be taking a few naps. It's very. <laughs> com- I'm sitting on here. It's very comfortable. So you're from Ketchikan, and you're the only independent in the. Leg- I guess Bryce Edgman's now an independent, but. You were elected as an independent. You've been an independent the whole time, right? Correct, correct. In fact, I was um, seven years an independent before I even decided to uh, run for office. So I'm truly a, an independent uh, in both by nature and in and an affiliation, or in this case, non-affiliation, I guess. So I don't know, who, who was the rep before? Did you beat somebody, or was it an open seat? Yes, it was uh, a seat that uh, became open with the retirement of Representative Wilson, um, and um, Peggy Wilson. Uh-huh. And, um, and so uh, at first, when I first filed, uh, Peggy hadn't announced that she was going to retire, so I thought I was going to be running against her. Um, but then it turned out to be um, against her staffer, Sherry Klein. So in that first year, it was a very narrow victory that I was able to uh, achieve. But, um, you know, op- happy to have the opportunity and honored to have the opportunity to represent District 36. Now, Ketchikan's kind of a Republican it, area, right? Yeah, it is. It's like more a, Republican. kind of a moderate. It's more Republican. There's quite a few independents, though, um, as well. And, um, you know, I would say that in general, the majority is a little more conservative um, uh, than you know, like the majority of people. But, uh, you know, I've been able to make it work in relationship to the idea that, um, you know, I'm going to be there for everybody as an independent. I'm going to try to represent uh, the voices of uh, the district, of all of my constituents. And um, sometimes that causes me to uh, to vote a little bit more conservatively and sometimes a little bit more in the progressive nature, depending on the issue. How would you describe I mean, You're an independent, but would you describe yourself as I am pretty centrist. Or, I'm pretty yeah. centrist. I am, you know, I think I'm, uh, I try to deal with, um, I'm kind of a fiscal pragmatist. In other words, um, I think that, um, you know, the state has some basic functions constitutionally that they need to uh, live up to and fulfill. Uh, with that said, we're obviously in a cycle where, um revenue and and savings are in less and less supply so i'm a pragmatist in the sense that you know government needs to meet its responsibilities but at the same time uh, we are um more and more constrained in in the resources that we have to meet those responsibilities so i try to try to uh, keep both of those things in mind with my votes so before you were in politics you were a teacher right i was i know a lot teacher, of people yeah. from ketchikan and, and a lot of them said Dan was my teacher. Mr. Ortiz was you my teacher. You bet. You bet. There's a few folks in this building here that uh, work on a daily basis that were my former students. And um, um, yeah, that was obviously 
a big part of my life being a teacher at Ketchikan High School for 32 years for the most part. Wow. Uh, and, the whole time uh, at the yeah, same most, school? Most of the time. I had a couple of years there as an administrator at a, at a charter school. Um, and I took one year at, um, I did one year at the junior high, uh, coming off of leave of absence. But other than that, um, I think it's safe to say 29 solid years at Ketchikan High School. What did you, what subject did you teach? I was in economics and U.S. history and debate. That's my degree, economics and history degree with a minor in economics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, from UAA. Yeah, yeah. and, uh, did current issues as well. That was one of the things that eventually led me to decide to run was that, in my particularly my debate classes that I taught, um, we were, you know, debating issues that were directly related to the issues that the states um, w- was addressing at the time. We debated um, uh, oil and gas tax. I think they called it Senate Bill Twenty One at that point, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was the um, More Alaska Production Act. Right, that that one, and we debated that particular issue. So that was before you were here, right? Because you were, you came here. This is your third term. Yeah, yeah, that was before I was here. So. Uh, that was in my last years of teaching that kind of, like I said, kind of got me interested in running in the first place because we were, uh, I was teaching my kids uh, in debate about some of these very important issues that the state was facing. We also debated the Pebble Mine issue. Um, and, and of course, as a debate teacher, uh, you need to prepare your students to debate both sides of the issue, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, was a really valuable experience uh, for me because I became, you know, um, pretty well versed on the, the pros and cons of arguments on all these particular issues. Um, you know, like I said, w- with that, the pebble mine issue um, and oil and gas tax credits issue. Um, so, um, you know. Um, you, pr- you probably had quite a few voters that were, you know, used to be your students, and they said, I'm voting for my teacher. Mr. <laughs> so, well, it didn't hurt me. I can well, tell you that. You know, I, I think that, you know, you mentioned that uh, – Ketchikan is a little bit more conservative in nature, and and um, teachers in general kind of get uh, tagged with being a little bit more progressive or liberal in mm-hmm. nature. But I think that I benefited from the fact that I, you know, there's lots and lots of folks in the community. Either I taught as as students themselves, or I taught their children, or in some cases I even taught their grandchildren. Uh, <coughs> and um, so while they might think that. You know, the average teacher is a little bit more progressive and not likely to get their support because they had me. And hopefully, in most cases, they had, you know, pretty good experience or their children had a pretty good experience. I think that made them a little bit more inclined to accept me as an acceptable candidate to vote for. Good good name ID, right? Good name ID, exactly. So I got to ask you, um, I've asked you before in the hallway, but I'm from New Mexico originally. I moved here in 04. Uh-huh. So I hear people say Ortez. Mm-hmm. But right. From where I grew up, it's Ortiz, right? Definitely, yeah. It's it's Dan Ortiz. Dan O R T I Z is pronounced throughout um, the world is Ortiz. That's that, However, that's... the story is is that my grandfather, when he came from Mexico, migrated to the United States from Mexico back in the early 1900s to Alaska or somewhere uh, else. No, he went to Illinois. Okay. Um, oh, that's where my parents are from, Chicago. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So evidently, he uh, somebody took his name on an application and. Uh, Spelled it O-R-T-E-Z. So at that point, um, at least in Ottawa, Illinois, we became the Ortezes. And um, and then from there, uh, you know, when we moved to Alaska. My grandparents used to live in Ottawa. Is that right? Yeah. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. No joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I spent a lot of time in, in Ottawa when I, was a, I, when I was a young child. My parents are from, uh, they moved, my grandparents, but they're born and raised in Waukegan. Oh, really? Yeah, right near Chicago. <laughs> Yeah, so we're both, uh, yeah, we both have our originations. I was born in, in Ottawa, Illinois, 
And oh uh, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Like my uh, probably wouldn't know him, but uh, Bob and um, Robert and uh, Barbara Moran. That's my parents. Is that right? Uh, uh-huh. My mom's parents. Yeah, they uh-huh. were. Uh-huh. They were living there for a while. Yeah, well, it's been a long small, time since I've been there. Small but, world. Um, yeah, it's a small world. But in any case, um, the whole Ortiz Ortez. I'm it saying Ortiz. Ortez in, in Ottawa, Illinois. We took that name, and, and that's the way it was pronounced when we moved to you know to to Ketchikan. You know, why would we change the pronunciation? Um, why'd you move? To, why'd they move to Ketchikan? Uh, actually, my dad uh, originally. Uh, you know, he had a, he had a love for both fishing and hunting and those kinds of things. And our first move to Alaska was actually to Heidelberg uh, when I was just two years old. Um, and uh, so we lived in Heidelberg for a year. Moved to Wasilla. That's southeast too, right? Yeah. Uh, what's that? So that's also southeast, yeah, it's, right? It's, it's 80 miles west of Ketchikan, basically. And it's out on Prince of Wales Island, the western side of Prince of Wales Island. In any case, uh, we had a great experience there, um, although obviously I don't remember much about it. I was just a, a baby at the time. Uh, but my parents moved back to Illinois so that so that my mom could finish her teaching. And then at that point, her, getting her teaching certificate. And so then later on, when I was about 10 years old, we moved back to Alaska. And I think my mom said, well, okay, well, we, we'll be glad to go back, but let's go to a little bit bigger community. So rather mm-hmm. than return to Heidelberg, we, we came back to Ketchikan. So you basically grew up in Ketchikan. Yeah, I did. When okay. I got there when I was 10 years old. So uh, one of the issues that's probably affecting you and a few other reps more than anybody in Senators is the ferry. Exactly. It's a big issue. It's an important, you know, it's, it is our um, transportation link. It's our highway system. Uh, it started before we had oil. It goes, you know, I think it got its beginnings in around 1963. Uh, yeah, it was I think. right after the statehood. Uh-huh. Oh. And, um, you know, and it's been an important part of the economic opportunities in, in the community are in throughout coastal Alaska and southeast Alaska. It's important to our schools. It's, you know, it's just, it's a fabric of our life in coastal Alaska and in southeast Alaska. So, yeah, it, we've seen the last, you know, four or five years of reductions, reductions, cutbacks in services. Um, and it's, you know, before we even address this particular fiscal cycle and what's going to happen to the marine highway system in this particular year, we've already seen uh, a drastic reduction in services over the last four or five years. So when the governor's budget came out and there was, you know, big 75% proposed cuts to the system and potentially closing mm-hmm. um, closing down in, in October through mm-hmm. June, we did a story actually, uh, Kale, my friend came here a few weeks ago, we did a story on the ferry. We actually broke that they were going to be selling the Fairweather uh-huh. potentially and the, and the Chalista. But what, what were your thoughts? Because I know the governor, even in Ketchikan, I believe he, he never really talked about big cuts or it wasn't a big top. I mean, it wasn't really... A, a campaign thing about hey we're gonna not do only this. did he not talk about it but he made very positive and favorable comments about the marine highway system uh when he was campaigning talked about how he recognized that it was an integral part of um you know the economic uh fabric of coastal alaska uh, and spoke favorably about the marine highway system so i was totally caught um by surprise by um, the his initial budget proposal, which caused for called for the potential um, closure of the marine highway system, as you said at the end of uh, September. Did you hear from a lot of your constituents and people in your district? We uh, were flabbergasted again, based on what we heard him say on the campaign trail. Uh, that particular proposal didn't match what we had heard him say. So it seems like. Um 
and from from my viewpoint, Senator Stedman's really been involved on trying to find some alternatives. And I guess on the finance committee, I imagine you are too, trying to find some ways to keep it. I mean, Senator Stedman told me that he agrees that you know, there's, there's it's not perfect. There can be changes and things have to be, you know changes have to be made. But the idea of shutting it down is uh, a non-starter. It is. It certainly is for myself and for my constituents um, to think that we would lose our uh, highway system um, and our uh, transportation infrastructure. um, Why would we think that that's an acceptable uh, alternative for us? So So, um, there's been ideas talked about and floated around about potentially making this ferry system more of a quasi like a, almost like a railroad instead of you know every four years we have a new governor almost we really have two-term governors um and you know like the vision changes you know there was like Mark, governor Knowles had a different vision than governor murkowski and it seems like every you know it takes a while to build a ship and then the new director gets on board and the whole vision changes and it seems like as far as long-term kind of continuity it's it's that seems to be one of the challenges do you agree with that oh and, certainly i do and, and of course southeast conference has been the main uh, <clears throat> proponent of trying to get the state to look at a different way to manage the system so that we so that the system can become more immune to as what you just said to the different administrative changes that take place every four or to eight years and how you know it seems to have takes a different path depending on who's in charge um, every four years you know I know that um, Governor Murkowski was really tied into um, the idea of uh, building more roads so that we could have shorter runs. And, of course, that takes money uh, to build those roads. Um, and, um, you know, I think the problem was was that while some people might have supported that concept, I don't think they got to the point where they supported it with the dollars necessary to, to build those roads. Um, and then you had a new administration. You had the Knowles administration that went to the fast ferry route. And, you know, um, the fast ferries... You know, certainly have taken their uh, their knocks in terms of public criticism, but then again, they they served a particular function, and um, at least I know that the community of Sitka got better service because of the fast ferry op- option that was there. So, um, and then you know, further administrations came forward, and and again, you saw changes and and ideas uh, tried to be applied to the marine highway system um, based on who was ever in charge of DOT and. Uh, whoever the governor was in charge. So, yeah, I, you know, I think there's a strong argument for looking at a different model. And um, and uh, Southeast Conference has put forward one potential um, model and kind of a public-private corporation model. And um, I have not, I have not received any information as to where the current administration stands on that particular proposal. So you mentioned the roads. I just read. Um Looks like there might be a plan to extend the road in Juneau 30 miles to a different past, way past Oak Bay to a different port point. And right. I guess that's about the 12 hours for right. The yeah, the idea for that is is to make those new ferries that we constructed, uh, which don't currently have crew quarters on them, to make them more uh, usable in the Lynn Canal area. 
The idea is if you push that ferry terminal out a little further in the northerly direction towards uh, the communities of Skagway and Haines, uh, then therefore you can shorten the run and therefore you can use those boats without having to uh, need crew quarters and, and those kinds of things. They could complete their cycle of Juneau to either Haines and Skagway and back again within uh, I think it's a 12-hour period mm-hmm. or something like that. So, so do you know how much a road would cost? If they, I, I don't. Uh, I probably, not, you said yeah. roads aren't cheap, right? <laughs> right, right. And I, have, and I have not. And, of course, that kind of gets back to the whole issue of uh, the Juno Access Road Project and all of that. And, of course, we've seen the path that that particular uh, project has taken over the last mm-hmm. four or five years. So Ketchikan has the shipyard. and uh, We do. I don't know much about I know I know it's there. I don't know a ton about it, but maybe talk a little bit about we do. the importance of that for the Ketchikan oh, economy. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, you know, it's one of the big pieces that have been put into place um, in connection with the state of Alaska through ADA that has uh, more or less has completely replaced uh, the labor losses that we saw when the, with the closure of the pulp mill, but it certainly uh, did was a new a significant source of jobs. And, uh, uh, and so we're concerned not just with the shutdown, the potential shutdown of the marine highway system, not just for the lack of services, transportation services, uh, that would mean in coast, throughout coastal Alaska, but what that directly could mean to uh, the whole Vigor shipyard because a lot of their work has been based on uh, servicing both maintenance and construction of new ferries to the marine highway system. So, um, you know, if the, if the marine highway system goes away, uh, there's a pretty darn good chance that the Vigor shipyard uh, would either have to take a different approach with the types of jobs that they're doing or they would go away as well. So. Okay, so let's talk a bit. You're on the finance committee. This is your first, I believe, first time? No, I was on or, the finance committee the la- okay. last two years, too, as well. So you were in the majority last yep. year as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk a bit about um, the organization. There was that whole 30-day period mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. there was no organization. Mm-hmm. You were obviously in the last majority. Now you're in this majority. Same mm-hmm. kind of, more or less same group um, with some Republicans, more Republicans now. Mm-hmm. What was your, during that whole process, several months after the election and then 30 days during the session, did you see it going one way or the other? Did you not know? Was it frustrating? To, to be to be quite honest, I, I didn't know how it was going to go in the end. Um, I, you know, the eventual result in the way that it is now, I think, is, you know, turned out to be uh, the most favorable option for my particular district and for uh, my constituents. Um, and, um, you know, um, but um, when, when we were going through it, I, you know, from day to day, I, I start to think, well, you know, it might be more of a Republican-based um, organization that it would have to consider um, joining, or, you know, it might be more like we, what we have been doing over the, the previous two years. Just didn't know. As, um, as, an, as an nail-biter, it really was. As an independent, would you have considered I going to I would have considered the, that. Mm-hmm. I would have considered you that. You kind of have, I mean, yeah. you're probably a little yeah. more yeah. a little more freedom with your, your I instead right. of the R or D. Right, right. So I would have considered that, and... Um, but, you know, um, while our caucus is a different caucus than it was two years ago, um, I'm 25 is a lot better than 21 or 22, yeah, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with the way it turned out. And, um, you know, no caucus is perfect. And it's, you know, doesn't meet all of my particular needs. But then again, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it and feel pretty good about where we are today compared to where we could have been. So you guys in the House Finance Committee and then the House floor passed the uh, budget a few weeks ago. Um, do, 
where do you, I mean, where are you on the budget? Do you think it's obviously it's a lot different than what the governor proposed? Senate's looking at it now. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of where do you, where do you see this going? And also the well, permanent fund dividend. What's your kind of thoughts on that? Well, that's, those are very good questions. Um, to me, uh, I think that in the end, we've got to make sure and see that the state is providing um, essential services, is doing a, you know, as it says, the state's obligated to provide an adequate education uh, for our students between the ages of 5 and 18. Um, So if you see... Uh, a reduction of the BSA of twenty three percent. Yeah, if you see a reduction of twenty three percent, I don't see how that uh, is pushing towards the idea of providing for an adequate education. So um, I'm most concerned, and I'm you know most concerned about what happens to the education budget. Obviously, I have continued concerns about what's going to happen with the marine highway system. Um, I have concerns about. Um, about um, senior benefits, uh, those kinds of things. So right now, where things stand, looking at the differences between uh, the House budget and what appears to be going to be the Senate budget that they pass uh, forward or they put forward, you know, there's not that many differences. There's some differences in the marine highway system, um, and I'm concerned about that. Um, But overall, it's a lot better than um, I see it a lot better than than the potential than the budget presented by uh, the governor, and while the governor's budget, the big positive, of course, is that uh, all of our constituents would receive quote the full PFD. We've heard loud and clear in our public um, opportunities to meet with the public on the issue that um, that in the end, the vast majority of folks, I'd say. 80% of the people who provided me information both through a survey and through a um, through our public town meetings, 80% of the folks have stood up and said, you know, yeah, we'd like to have a PFD and we'd all benefit from that, but if it means that we need to, in order to do that, to cut education drastically, to lose our ferry system, to uh, end senior benefits, you know, the, the price is too high, the opportunity cost is too high, and... Um, um, you know, I feel pretty com- I feel pretty comfortable supporting a lower PFD um, and uh, a protection of services based on the information that I received from my constituents. It's interesting as well in the governor's budget. I've talked about this with other legislators and many Republicans. The the you know desire to match revenues with expenditures. Um, there's cuts that can be made, but but his budget goes beyond cuts it goes to transfer a lot of money oil and gas property taxes from the north slope fairbanks valdez fisheries landing tax yeah. i don't know does catch can benefit from fisheries landing tax probably oh yeah, yeah so, definitely it's so eight hundred thousand dollars if that goes away if the shared 50 50 share goes away um you know under the governor's proposal it goes away completely if that happens it means eight hundred thousand dollars less that the borough and the city of Ketchikan and the community of Wrangell and most of my communities, you know, benefit from that, um, from those landing taxes. Um, I think Dutch Harbor, away. it's like a quarter of their budget. Yeah. But, and but, so, so there's a cuts and then there's, and then this proposed transfer shifting, shifting yeah. <laughs> which I think is almost a bill. I mean, I believe it's near a billion, approaching a billion dollars mm-hmm. as far as, mm-hmm. I mean, the North Slope boroughs, I think half a billion. They, I mean, there's, it's actually interesting because I never knew the amount of the money the North Slope borough got. And mm-hmm. I mean, I would, I would probably side on the argument of it's their land. Right. I mean, right. if they would have, if they would have done a, a Kuwait style or a Qatar style deal when they found the oil, 
they'd be the richest country and one of the richest countries in the world. So I kind of side with like it's, the, but it's interesting because I never knew mm-hmm. the extent of, of the, what the property value tax is. Right. And uh, also from Fairbanks and, and you know Valdez gets money for the what's going on, but um, it's just it, it's just such an interesting proposal. I think most legislators I've talked to either in public or even privately. I don't really know anybody who's that on. I mean, there's a few people who are on board, but I think it seems like most people are, are not on board with that. Is that? I think so. I mean, certainly, as again, that's certainly what I've heard from my constituents. Um, you know, most of the folks um, in District 36, at least the ones that are speaking up, um, they are for uh, protecting essential services. And if that means a lesser PFD, um, then most of the folks are willing to accept that. Not everybody, um, but most of the folks. So your last election, I think it was a three-way three-way race, right? Actually, it was a two-way no, it, race. It, it switched, right, didn't yeah. it? Because there was somebody else that got out. My f- two races ago, um, so the one before this one, it was a three-way race. Um, and then this one, it was just two-way. There was a Democrat, but he withdrew um, before the actual okay, What was his name? He had a kind of a strange name. Uh, right? Garrett Abbott. Abbott, yeah, G- yeah. Garrett, Garrett, yeah, G-H-E-R-T. Yeah. Yeah, former student of mine. Yeah. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah, so it's a former a, student of mine. Ketchikan, kind of like Juno. I mean, it's, what's the population of Ketchikan? It's about uh, 14,000 when you count everybody on the island. So you probably basically, you know, you, you go door much. to door, you go Actually, to the store. Actually, it's a transit committee, so it's not like you know everybody, but at the same time, there's a good percentage of the population. When I go out, I would say out of every 10 doors that I knock on, I probably know um, seven of the people or oh, seven wow. of the households at least. So um, Ketchikan, I believe it's the furthest... Southern city in Alaska, is that right? Yes, yes, it is. It's well, it's, it, when you talk about cities, yes, uh, or city is Ketchikan, a city of, with only fourteen thousand people on the island, and, and actually eight eight. Are there other people, other smaller, smaller, little tiny communities. Yeah, further if you south? go further south, you got Hyder. Um, oh right, and, okay. Um, um, and you've got, um, of course, Saxman is south of Ketchikan. It's on the same island, but it's south of Ketchikan. Um, and uh, Metlakatla is further to the south, I believe, as well. Um, southwest of us, just a few miles. Um, but in any case, um, yeah, Ketchikan is is known as the first stop on the cruise ship uh, yep. cycle, and um, and it is the southern city of Alaska, I guess you'd say. So, do you? Find, I mean, you're representing a very different area than somebody representing Anchorage, the Valley, No. Oh, absolutely. You know, Bethel. Yeah. I mean, do you? Do you when you come issues. when you come here? I mean, how many? There's what handful of reps from from southeast, um, probably four or five, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. a few a few senators. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you two senators and four Bert, representatives? Bert Stedman and I guess Jesse Keel, right? Jesse, yeah. So, do you find it um, challenging or difficult to maybe talk about your issues with somebody from Anchorage or the Valley or Fairbanks? And you know, absolutely. And and here's the thing: what what I think about um, one of the reasons why I'm a proponent of everybody being an independent is to me the issues in Alaska are so much more um, divided geographically than they are uh, politically in terms of the things that are important to uh, the community of Anchorage are important to the community of Anchorage not because of Republican or Democrat it's because where they are geographically you know they'd like to see the state dedicate some significant more resources to the port of Alaska, for example, mm-hmm. or the railroad, um, right, right, or to the railroad, um, and and again, I understand that it makes good sense for that community, um, but um, in Ketchikan, 
you know <laughs> they don't care about the railroad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're not gonna you know they they care about the marine highway system um and so yeah i think the issues that um that are that tend to be the most contentious are not uh, republican democrat they are more geographically based issues for sure and i think that um, and I appreciate the support that I get from uh, the folks in my caucus who are from the Anchorage and Fairbanks area and their understanding um, of the importance of the marine highway system. And, um, and you know, I, I appreciate that a great deal because at least directly um, they can't see the necessary benefits of putting resources towards the marine highway system. But hopefully we've done a good job of, of you know, explaining the benefits of how a lot of people, a lot of travelers, um, in fact, the number one user of the marine highway system in terms of tickets purchased are people who live in Anchorage. Um, you know, I heard, I actually heard that. Mm-hmm. I was doing that story. I heard that. That makes that. Sense, I, I they have such a bigger population. Yeah, I, you know, based yeah. on the population. But I still found that kind of kind of incredible. Because, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, I, I've never ridden the ferry. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that, I mean, the population makes sense. So yeah. um, did you see there was a KTO article a few weeks ago and it was, uh, maybe last week it was about kind of the rising power of valley politics. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have a history degree, so this will be an interesting topic. Um, Southeast used to be 100 years ago, maybe even less than that, kind of the power center of, of Alaska, economy and politics. Capital started there. You know, you had the capital. I think it's beginning. It was beginnings in Sitka, and then, of course, since transmitted to Juneau. But, yeah, uh, we did have uh, a bigger percentage of the overall population. Southeast did. And uh, we, you know, had our capital, we've always had the capital here. So um, historically, we were a, a more um, powerful region, if you will. And I think with the gradual transition in population and the, uh, the growth of, uh, of the valley population, we're seeing that change. And, you know, it's the political system, and we've got to deal with that and adjust with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're all Alaskans. We have so. a new redistricting coming up next year, so. Yeah, yeah. It'll be one to watch. Yeah, for sure. So, what do you think? I mean, we're day 100 and I guess one. What, what are your What are your thoughts on? The- I think we're going to be done in 120, uh, 121. I think we'll be done by that time. Um, every indication is that we're motivated, uh, both on the House and Senate side, to be done by that time. And um, of course, the question is going to be, with the finished product, will that draw a um, some vetoes? And then the question would be. Uh, would we come back together again to do an override? So there's that question. Or would we not perhaps get enough done than what the governor needs in crime and punishment? And we, would he call us back uh, to deal with those the, the, issues? The word on the street is that it might be a session in the Valley, Wasilla. Yeah. What do you think well, about that, huh? Ooh. You know, obviously I I can't be supportive of that. Don't, you know, it costs a lot of money to move the infrastructure and to move uh, our, you know, all the folks that would that would be needed to uh, the room around here in is Wasilla Wasilla Middle School. <laughs> That'd be great for you. You're a former teacher. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Fit in well. Go right at home. Maybe but... you could do a little moonlighting, do a little <laughs> teaching. <laughs> yeah. So you know, the governor's the governor. He has the power to uh, you know to make so the, he, the he initial can, call. He and... can call the governor. Can call a special session wherever he wants. Right. He can. And the legislature doesn't have any control over that. That's tr- that's correct. But they could theoretically gavel in gavel out and then go to go back to wherever they Juno or wherever they want to that's that's what I then, then it became then it becomes well. kind of a game of chicken right or sure, that sure. could be that could be interesting yeah well, I'm not you know gonna it's too early to comment on that but uh, it's my understanding as well it was we we you know would we be required to show up in in, in 
in uh, Wasilla in this particular case. Um, but whether we remain there, you know, I don't know how that would all will pan out. So. I think, you know, Governor Walker, there was a 2017, right? That was 200 and some days of, of session, right? Yeah. It yeah. Must have been. I, was I, was in, I was in Australia for most of it, but I was still paying attention. And yeah. I just couldn't believe it was like, yeah. even November, there was a whole deal. and Yeah, I was, I was a part of that. And that's too long. I mean, you know, when we should be able to get our work done, um, at least by 120 days. I, I'm a proponent of trying to see what we can do about getting done every year in 90 days. But, um, you know, my senator doesn't necessarily agree with that. You know, he's got more experience than I do. Um, and it's been it's his experience that, you know, 90 days are just not enough. But I think we're both in agreement that we should be able to, in most cases, get our work done every time by 120 days. So, um, All right. Well, Representative, I'm going to call you Ortiz, okay? Yep, that's great. Representative Ortiz, I appreciate you doing the podcast. Very... Um, Good discussion. I don't really get talk about catch can very much, so no. Jeff, the, you got to come down, Jeff. You got to come down. I, I I'd was, show you the community. I was just going to say I've never been, and I really, really a friend of mine's from there. I really want to go um, in the summertime. I heard it's great. Yeah, I want to. I want to see the shipyard. There you go. And I also want to see. I I did hear there's. The, we always got folks willing to show you the shipyard. That's for I'd love sure. to go yeah. go check it. I, I did hear that. I think Senator Murkowski. Does she have like a fundraiser there once a year? Uh huh. She has uh, some really have fancy a, uh, water. Actually, it? it's um, it Senator Murkowski's mother, Nancy, kind of is the traditional host of this waterfall event. Waterfall, which waterfall is a resort west of Ketchikan um, on Prince of Wales Island. But um, they always hold the night before they go out there. They always hold a, a community event at the uh, Ted Ferry Center, and where folks who are coming in for the contest will will come into the community and they meet with folks from Ketchikan and uh, uh, former Governor Murkowski is there, and it's uh, you know it's kind of an event for the folks who are participating in that uh, in that fishing contest to meet with the folks of Ketchikan, and it's a fun annual thing that takes place. I wanted to go one year, but then I heard the ticket price, and I was like, mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> not, not sure about that. I'm trying to get him to let me in as like a media guy, <laughs> wave the fee. <laughs> well, if you're going to come down, Jeff, I'll see what I can do about uh, purchasing your ticket for you. Well, you can, if you can make the expense of, uh, of coming down to Ketchikan, I'll see if I can get you a ticket. I'd love to go. There. I'd love to do both, and mm -hmm. I will take you up on that because okay. I do want to come down there and mm -hmm. maybe maybe do do some do a video or do some work. Yeah, do a maybe story. so you can hop on a on a plane to get out to POW and do some fishing too. I'd love to do that. That'd be great. <laughs> well, I will I will take you up on that, and we'll be in touch on that. All so, President right. okay. Ortiz, thank you so much for your time, and I know you're a busy guy. So, good hey. luck there on the finance committee. It's a ple been a pleasure, Jeff, and um, and again, thanks for the opportunity. Okay, and folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast with me, let me know, and we'll talk to you next time. Landline.